If you're there, say amen. amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 13. The Bible says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in all things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Paul here has laid out yet again another charge to young Timothy. And um, he has explained to him, not only uh, in 2 Timothy, uh, the book of First and 2 Timothy, what it means to preach and what it is to be a preacher, but how to preach and what he should preach. And we understand just a, just a, a chapter uh, or two before or after, that he tells him to preach the word, to be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. But tonight I want to focus on verse 16 and 17, and uh, where he says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. You need to understand something about your Bible. The book is profitable for you. It is profitable for doctrine. That's one thing. For reproof, that's another thing. For correction, that's another thing. And for instruction in righteousness. And he says this, the reason the Scripture is given, and the reason the Scripture is given not only uh, to us, but by inspiration of God and is profitable for these things, is verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect. That just means complete. Whole, if you will, may be perfect through uh, thoroughly... Truly furnished unto all good works. So, if I could tonight, I want to walk around a few different places and preach from our text. And I want to preach this thought, why Bible preaching is profitable. Why is Bible preaching, how is Bible preaching profitable? So if you would, please pray with me and pray for me. And somehow try to give me some volume because I can't hear nothing. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to stand one more time. I pray, God, that you would touch tonight's service. Lord, I pray that you would help me to preach the Word of God, Lord, with power and unction, Lord, uh, from the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord, you'd touch our sound, and God, help us, Lord, to uh, get this thing right. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. Speak to our hearts as only you can. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all the Lord's people said... Amen and amen. Why Bible preaching is profitable. Quickly, if I could tonight, I want to start off by saying that it is here in our text where the Apostle Paul continues his charge to young Timothy. Now, 
Paul refers to Timothy as a son in the faith. That means that uh, Paul looked at him as more than just another church member or somebody that he could rub shoulders and elbows with in the good fight of faith. But he has literally seen Paul come from being a uh, what we call, what the Bible considers a babe in Christ all the way into now he's leaving him in charge as a pastor. We understand this, that Paul leaves Timothy with the duties of pastoring in the church, in the church of Ephesus. The Bible explains and Paul explains what a preacher is supposed to be. As I said, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 2, the Bible said be, uh, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season and uh, to reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Now you need to understand a few things about preaching. In this dispensation preaching is defined like this. Preaching is simply God taking His Word and manifesting His Word, what He said through and by, of course, the Spirit of God, but then God requires an earthen vessel. God must have a man to preach the Word. I need a little help right there. A man to preach the Word of God. I've got an issue. People say, well, I just don't know about that. My mamma walked with God like unlike anybody I've ever seen. She was a Holy Ghost woman. She might have been. I'm not saying she wasn't. My mamma prayed more than any preacher I ever met. She probably did. I ain't saying she wasn't. But mamma was not a preacher. Now, she might have preached, but she wasn't a God called preacher. Somebody help me right there. The Bible said a bishop must then be the husband of one wife. And so unless uh, your mamaw could be a husband, I don't I don't understand uh, how we qualify them. Anyways, that's a different subject for another day. Uh, but we believe that God calls men to preach the Word of God. All throughout the Scriptures we'll find that uh, and even into the day and hour in which we live, preaching has always been the same thing. But I need you to pay very close attention right here. This is going to be very doctrinal, very pastoral and uh, produce church growth if you'll latch on to some of these things. The preaching has always been the same but you need to know something. The message is the thing that has changed. Uh, can I say God has not always preached the same message and I am referring to the gospel tonight. Uh, you, you say well what's the gospel? Well it's the death, the death, the burial and the resurrection and that's exactly what we preach. It is uh, the death, the burial and the resurrection, but I'm here to tell you something tonight, that the Old Testament prophets did not preach the gospel that Jesus Christ died on a cross, was put in a grave and rose on the third day. Now they had prophetic uh, prophetic things concerning Calvary, but they, the message is different now than it was then. Preaching has been the same as far as what, what is preaching, but the message has changed. Uh, did you know the definition of preaching simply means to proclaim or to publish. Did you understand what I just said? It means to proclaim and to publish. Now I'm going to say something and it's not contradicting what I just said but did you know that we are all called to preach the gospel? Now let me say something. You can preach the gospel and not be a preacher. You understand that? Because you are to proclaim. You are to publish the good news or the gospel but there's a difference in preaching, publishing, proclaiming the gospel and being a preacher. Does everybody understand? Uh, so I want to I want to look just a little bit. You can hold your place there in 2 Timothy. And I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 
1 Corinthians chapter number 15, alright? Let's look there. I'll give you time to flip there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Elijah, come up here and say it. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Verse number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible says, Paul again is writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. He goes on to say in verse 2, By which also ye are saved. Somebody say amen. amen. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Listen to me, that is the Gospel. Can I, can I remind you that it is not of anything else that mankind can be saved. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Now, I also want you to note that's what Paul is preaching. But look with us in the book of Philippians, this church of Philippi. Go to Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1. I'll give you just a moment to get there. And uh, so Paul has explained to the church at Corinth what the gospel is. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. Does everybody understand that? But then he goes on to say this. And I want you to catch something. We've read this and you've heard this preached. And a lot of times I, when I've heard this text that we're going to read in Philippians preached, it's been about other preachers. But if you want to get really technical what the Word of God said, it's not even talking about preachers. And I'll show this to you. Philippians chapter 1, look at verse number 12. Philippians 1 verse 12, you there say amen. amen. Paul again writing, he said, But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all other places. And many of the, what does that next word say? Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Now again, I want you to understand something. Preaching has always been publishing or pro proclaiming the gospel, the good news. The message has varied throughout the Word of God. Uh, but my friend, here we are again seeing a charge from the Apostle Paul to the church of Philippi. Now notice what he says uh, there again in verse Number 14, he says, And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more to, uh, bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife. Now, every, every preacher I've ever heard preach this text is talking about those who 
uh, preach for the they, they, they're preachers but they preach with the wrong intention or the wrong motivation some are sincere some are not sincere some do it for filthy lucre some don't some are very contentious one that preach Christ of contention and the other in verse 17 of love and this is what Paul said he said well it really don't matter whether in pretense or in truth verse 18 Christ is preached and therein do I rejoice yea will rejoice in other words Paul saying I really don't, it's not important of who the man is or who the person is or how they're, if Jesus is being preached, I rejoice. Now, let me point something out to you. This context is not dealing with preachers. It is dealing with the brethren. And so it is our job as the church, as brethren, uh, to preach the gospel. That simply means to proclaim, to share the good news of the Lord Jesus. What he say in 1 Corinthians? 15. That would be the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now, I want you to see something in your Bible. We're going, it's kind of a, a Bible study slash sermon, if you will. Uh, but look with me over in uh, 2 Peter chapter number 2. 2 Peter chapter number 2. I'm going to show you how there were different preachers in your Bible, and they did preach different messages than that of which we are preaching today. Second Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 5. If you're there, say amen. amen. Second Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 5. I need a little help up here. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 5. The Bible says this. And speaking of Moses, and spare not the old world. Does everybody see this? But say Noah, the eighth person, look now, look what it says, a preacher of righteousness. Does everybody see that? A preacher of righteousness bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. You know what Noah was preaching? He was preaching righteousness, exactly what it says. Can I say them Old Testament preachers did not preach the death, the burial, and the resurrection because the death, the burial, and the resurrection had not taken place. Somebody help me tonight. But Noah was preaching righteousness. We understand that righteousness does not save anybody, but they were keepers of the law. And we understand now in this dispensation that the law is still the schoolmaster of grace, but it does not save us, nor did it save thee. Uh, listen to me. The law, the righteousness, uh, got them so far. It got them to a place called Abraham's bosom. Does everybody understand that? And when Jesus died and he was put in the grave and he arose on the third day, we understand when he came back, he came back with Abraham's bosom. He went and the Bible said, preached to the captives and set them free. Who were the captives? They were the keepers of the law, but they were not redeemed by the law. For in the law, there is is no redemption. So what message did those who kept the law that had abided under righteousness here? They heard what we have not heard. Jesus preached to them. I am the Christ. I'm the Lamb of God. I'm the one that you prophesied about. I came. I've lived. I've died. I've resurrected. This is the gospel. That's what he preached to them. Uh, can I say tonight John the Baptist preached the kingdom of heaven and the baptism of repentance. Look with me in Matthew chapter number 3. Matthew Matthew chapter number 3. We're going to look at several places. If you're writing it down, write this down. Matthew chapter number 3 and verse number 1. Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. 
The Bible said in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And for this, uh, for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet uh, Isaiah, saying, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle by his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out him to Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan confessing their sins. Look down if you would in verse number 11. John says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Does everybody see that? But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am unworthy to bear. And he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Flip over to Mark's Gospel. I want you to see this. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 1. Matthew, Mark, chapter number 1. And verse number four, Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter one and verse number four. If you're there, say amen. amen, amen. The Bible said John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Does everybody see that? John did, what's the Bible say? John did baptize in the wilderness and what? And preach, what did he preach? The baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. Can I say your church of Christ and those, uh, uh, there are several alike. They believe that uh, baptism is what you have to have in order to be saved. But listen to me, they're taking a message. They're, they're take, well, it says right there, that's what John preached. Yes, preaching has always been the same. He, John did proclaim. John did publish remission of sin. John preached the kingdom doctrine, the kingdom of heaven. By the way, if you don't know the difference, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, John did preach this, but we are not in that dispensation. John was the forerunner of Jesus Christ, and John was preaching baptism for remission of sins, but then he also made reference to there's coming one a whole lot mightier than I, of whose shoes I'm not even, I'm not even worthy to unlatch it. And John says this in Acts chapter 13, verse 24, Acts 13 24 the Bible says when John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people right here's the kicker of Israel alright write that down you can read that if you want Acts 13 24 uh, well it says right there preacher that they, in order for their sins uh, the remission of their sins they had to be baptized what John preached John's a Baptist ain't you a Baptist well, don't, why don't you believe what John by the way we're not a Baptist because John was a Baptist amen uh, we're not, that's not why we're Baptist but notice to whom John preached to John was not preaching to the Gentile matter of fact the Bible said that the Lord Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. Did you know salvation was to the Jew first, right. then to the Gentile? I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. We were an afterthought. Salvation, the Messiah, was to the Jew. It was to the Jew at first, but they rejected him. They denied him and they hung him on the cross and God then opened the door for all humanity, all the world, to believe this message, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. What did Jesus and his disciples preached. Go to Matthew chapter 24. I'm laying a foundation, but it's very needful. Matthew chapter 24. And we'll look at verse number 14. Matthew chapter number 24 and verse number 14. If you're there, say amen. And i got a few of you still turning. Matthew 24, verse number 14. 
The Bible says, and this gospel of the kingdom. Does everybody see that? This what? Of what? Our gospel is not of the kingdom. Our gospel is of a king. Hey, man, somebody say, man, we're not preaching about the kingdom. We're preaching about a king. His name's Jesus. And the gospel of this kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, here's the difference. The kingdom of God is spiritual. That is a kingdom that is in a heavenly abyss. It is above the sun, the moon, the stars, and the sky. It is the third heaven, you know. Uh, you can look into heaven when we walk outside tonight and you look up into the galaxy, that is heaven. But above that heaven, there's another uh, world and that is the, uh, that is space, if you will. That's, that's them other galaxies. And then, according to the Bible, there's a layer of water. There's a river that separates a watery abyss. And above that layer of water, above the galaxies, is the third heaven where our Lord resides and they would preach the kingdom of God being spiritual speaking of that kingdom but the kingdom of heaven was physical that was when Jesus was literally on this earth did you realize that they could have accepted him as Messiah and his kingship could have been put directly intact and he could have sat on the throne in Israel but they rejected him now of course God in his foreknowledge knew they would and so in reality before the foundation of the world uh, he was a lamb as uh, prepared and slain at the slaughter. That is exactly right. At the Bible says this. If you want to look, Mark chapter 16, verse number 20. Mark chapter 16 and verse number 20. The Bible said, And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. You need to read that. And they went forth and they as the, the apostles and the Lord Jesus, they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs. Does everybody see that? Confirming Confirming the word with signs. Now we do know we, we no longer confirm the word with signs. Why is that? I'm gonna show you. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 22. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 22. Why did the Lord heal the sick and raise the dead and make blind eyes see and deaf ears hear and dumb uh, men talk and lame men walk? Why did He do all those things? Why was there a, a turning the water to wine? Why, why could the apostles cast out devils? Some, they couldn't because they'd been apparently lacking in their prayer life and fasting. Why did all these things happen? Because Jesus was telling them, by the way, John said it like this, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it says this, three rare be uh, bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. So Jesus is the Word, and He came saying, I'm the Messiah. There was the Word. Then He followed up the Word with a sign. Now, why would, why would Jesus do that? Why did the apostles do that? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 explains it. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks, that's you and me,
me. That's the Gentile. Seek after wisdom. What is wisdom? It's the Word of God. We no longer have to have a sign. I don't, I don't have to... I, listen, uh, uh, this charismatic bunch, well, you ain't never received the Holy Ghost unless you receive, receive the gift of tongues. You, uh, listen, we don't receive those gifts and they, and they don't either. Somebody help me. Uh, those, by the way, this ain't the message, but tongues were never a bunch of jibber-jabbers. Uh, tongues were never an unknown language. Every time that tongues were spoken in, the Bible said every man there heard in his own native language. In other words, if I was an apostle, I could preach in English, uh, but they would hear it in whatever nationality they were, in their own uh, Spanish and all these other uh, languages they heard in their own tongue. That's what tongues were. It wasn't Honda, Suzuki, Toyota, Kawasaki, amen. That wasn't what it was, amen. Uh, it wasn't a wish there's a Honda. That's not what it is, uh, my friend. It was uh, the, a man would preach under the power of God and men would hear in their own, in their own language. So uh, why did signs follow the word in the day of Christ and in the day of his apostles in their apostleship? Because the Jews required a sign. Uh, but we are not Jews. We are Gentiles. And Calvary and the cross done away with all sign seeking. You know, a Jew today will not be saved by a sign. A Jew today, I don't care who they are, where they come from, if they are a practicing Jew, there's absolutely no redemption for their soul outside of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care how many messianic prayers they pray, recite, or write. It makes me no difference how many rabbis and how many prayers that they gather from Jewish custom. I don't care how many traditions and holidays they keep. None of that will save a man's soul from hell. There's only one way to heaven and Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Why is preaching profitable? Because it's used for doctrine. It's used for reproof. It's used for correction and instruction and righteousness. Preaching has always been the same, but the message surely has changed. So what do we Listen, what, what is our message? What are we preaching today? We read it in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul said it's the death to bear on the resurrection. Paul says this in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. Can I tell you that is not what them Jews were getting taught. That is not what Jesus preached to them Jews. It was a kingdom doctrine. What was the kingdom doctrine? I'm the king. I'm here. This is the kingdom of heaven. Remember, if you always want to know the difference when you read your Bible between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, it's very simple. Where does God, when we refer to God, it's typically always referring to God the Father. It's spiritual. That's a spiritual world. The kingdom of heaven was physical. That's when that kingdom was brought down to us. The kingdom of heaven. He left heaven. He came to earth. Jesus in His earthly ministry, the physical attributes, the physical ministry of Jesus was the kingdom of heaven. But we're not saved neither by the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. We're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, if we could receive a gift and speak in tongues, we could boast. And this is something I've done in order to gain access to another world. But listen to me, I don't care how many gifts you may have or have not. It's not gifts that get a man there. It's one gift and that's the gift 
death of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary some 2,000 years ago. I want you to see that God handpicks and chooses men to preach this message. Now, again, we're all preachers of the gospel, but we're not all preachers. If you look with me, I, I, I hate to turn you so much, but I really want you to see these. In Isaiah 61, verse number 1. Isaiah 61, I'll give you just a minute. Verse number 1. The Bible says this. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. Nobody's there. Praise the Lord. That's in the Old Testament. Some of y'all's about revelation. That's the wrong direction. You need to do a U-turn. Go back the other way. Isaiah 61.1. If you're there now, say amen. amen. The Bible said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Isaiah says. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings. What's he preaching? It ain't the gospel. Good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives. But you realize that was prophetic. That was before Calvary. He was saying there is liberty to come. We're saying liberty's already come. I'm about to enjoy my own preaching. Liberty's coming. That ain't our message. Liberty's done came. And opening of the prison to them that are bound. Listen, God, the Bible said, Isaiah, God hath anointed me to preach the gospel. Can I say this? Jonah chapter number 3, verse number 2. Jonah chapter number 3, verse number 2 says this. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. God was speaking to Jonah, and he said, I've got something I need you to do, sir. And that's go to that great city called Nineveh and preach I'm the one that has bid thee can I say the greatest preacher of all time was not the apostle Paul it was not John the Baptist it was not Timothy it was the Lord Jesus and the Bible said Matthew 4 17 from that time Jesus began to preach and say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand do you see what his message was it was the kingdom doctrine the kingdom of heaven is at hand Mark 16 15 Jesus is here and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why have you said all that, Brother Josh? I've said all that to say this. Preaching has always been God's way of communicating with mankind. Does everybody see that Nineveh had to have a preacher? I mean, God sent Jonah to Nineveh. Does everybody see he anointed Isaiah and he used all those Old Testament prophets and he used those New Testament preachers and apostles and even gave the charge to the church at Corinth and Philippi and that they were also preachers of the gospel. Uh, but God has ordained men to preach His living word. It's always been God's way of communicating. But you must realize preaching in itself has been the same. But the doctrine and the message has changed. Uh, can I say preaching was created by God for man. God ordained preaching. Uh, and He's... Uh, 
Never. Uh, God has never done any man bad through preaching. It's always for the good. Now you might not always feel good, but it's for the good. Amen. Uh, in the day and hour in which we are living, I believe we lack uh, what we need most, and that is Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, Bible doctrine. Listen to this word. Dispensational Bible preaching. If you do not have a grip and a grasp on dispensations, you are as confused as a kangaroo in an ice skating rink. You have no idea if you're coming or going. Uh, you believe ever form and ever wind of doctrine. But thank God, hey, listen, we don't have to be that way. And if I've got anything to do with it, I'm going to do my dead level best to establish Bible dispensational doctrine for the hearers of Stillwater Baptist Church to know the truth. So the truth can set men free. Bible preaching is profitable. I said all that to let you know it is pro it's good for you. And I say it's not always, medicine don't always taste good, but it's good for you. Is everybody listening? Amen. Hey, son. Zip it. Bible preaching is profitable. Bible preaching is profitable. Listen, we need more preaching, not less. We need more preaching, not less. Are you listening? Elijah, come over here and sit right behind me, son. He'll be all right. I'm, gonna, I'm teaching some of y'all how to start teaching your children. They don't get their way all the time. Sit down and hush. I could really care less, son. Bible preaching is profitable. We need more preaching and, and not less. Is everybody with me? Yes. Now, I want to look at this. Look with me back in our text. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. Are you choking? Lord, you're going to get to see me whoop my kid right in front of God and everybody. I'm about to. Better straighten up, son. I'm telling Look at verse number 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16. All Scripture. You know what that means? Even the stuff that's not to you is for you. Right, yeah. All Scripture is profitable. It's good for you. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? See, that's where people mess up. You say, well, what about that over there where John was baptizing and from remission of sin? If I don't apply this wise as there, it's good for you to know. It's profitable for doctrine to set us straight. To let us know that was a different dispensation. That's a different time. That was to the Jews. Ain't none of us in here Jews. And even if we were, the message has changed. Preaching's the same. You've got to get that. But the message has changed. It's profitable. Number one, I want to say this. Bible preaching is profitable because, number one, it establishes what is right. That's what doctrine is. Did you know that? Bible preaching is profitable because it establishes what is right. Uh, can I say tonight that doctrine, you need to write this down, doctrine is the first step to profitable, uh, why preaching is profitable. It establishes what's right. Doctrine is for what's right. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? How do I do right? You've got to understand doctrine. Uh, can I say doctrine keeps us from the way of error? Can I get a witness tonight? Doctrine keeps us from the way of error. It keeps us from scratching our head and being confused. By the way, God is not the author of 
If you say, well, it, all this does confuse me. Something's wrong somewhere. Yeah. It should not confuse. Right. What's, what's the Bible say in 2 Timothy? Study. Approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed. Look here. Rightly. If you do not understand how to rightly divide your Bible, that's the reason you're confused. Doctrine is established for what's right. Doctrine shows us what is right in the Word of God. How do I know that I'm right, that we're not supposed to speak in tongues? Because the Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And it shows me that tongues are for a sign. The Bible says that. Tongues were for a sign, and signs are for who? So you know what? It means it's not right for me. I'm not a Jew, and that wasn't before Calvary. Hello. And by the way, you know the only ones that ever spoke in tongues who got the gift of tongues? The apostles. I don't care what the billboard downtown Atlanta says. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You can go through there and there's, there's, there's big old 20 foot long billboards and there's, it's usually a colored man on there. And he's got on a, 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 a white shirt and a black coat and, and something another out here for a tie. And it says Bishop or Apostle Tyrone. No, listen to me. That's what I'm serious. Visit us at such and such church or community center uh, with Apostle Tyrone preaching 7 p.m. nightly. Do you know what it takes to be an apostle? Yes. Tyrone ain't seen Christ. Physically, they had to see him live. Tyrone didn't see him live. They had to see him die. Tyrone didn't see him die. And they had to see him resurrect. Tyrone did not see him get up. Therefore, brethren, he is not an apostle. Neither are you. And if you ain't an apostle and did not see the physical earthly ministry of Jesus, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, you can't give signs and wonders. You know who those gifts, those signs and wonders were given to, don't you? Just the apostles. Amen. Why would anybody call themselves an apostle? Let me tell you why. They're not established in doctrine. Right. Therefore, they don't know. What is doctrine for? Doctrine is for what? Right, right honey. Doctrine is for <laughs> always, anybody, all the time, every time. When I ask, there's always one that says something off the wall, and that's my mother. <laughs> doctrine is for what? Reproof. No. Stupid. No. It's for what's right. Why do you preach the same things over and over and over? Prime example. Doctrine is for what's reproof. It's for what's right. You know what Tyrone is? is? He's not right. What's the opposite of right? You saying I'm wrong, preacher? Yes. You just think you're always right. No, sir. But this book is. Y'all with me? But why are we so adamant? Why are we so dogmatic on what we believe? Because I can show you in the scriptures that it's right. Not that I'm right. Listen to me, preachers especially. We're going, you're going to get held up. You're going to get questioned. You're going to get pinpointed, pushed in a corner, backed up. They're going to try to tree you, hang you, eat you, and dog you. you. It's not about proving you're right. It's always about showing them that the book is right. Because all doctrine, all the Word of God in verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. And doctrine is for what? 
How can we how can we be right in what we believe? You've got to be sound in doctrine. Why is Bible preaching profitable? Because it shows you what is all right. Finally picked up. Yes. Number two. Bible preaching is profitable because it exposes what is not right. Can I say Bible preaching, number one, is profitable because it establishes what is right. And Bible preaching, me preaching to you from this book, is also profitable for you. It's good for you not only because it establishes what's right, but secondly, it exposes what is not right. Look at verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine is for what? For what's right. It is profitable for doctrine. Notice this, comma, for what? <laughs> reproof is for what's not right. I'm going to ask you, what is reproof for? Doctrine is for. And reproof is for. You know what reproof is? Reproof is me looking at him saying, son, get up here. Why, what do you mean? I've just told him what you're doing is wrong. His mama can't do nothing with him. His mama can't do nothing with him. She can beat him like a coon dog. And you know who he's going to tuck her down and listen to? Because he knows I ain't about to play with him. I love him more than the, more than the, the, the stars love the sky. But he's going to have to sh- learn to shut up, sit up, and listen up in church. And if i got to do this every service, I don't care if it hair lips, mamma, nana, pat, and all of you. I've got to establish in him what is right and what is not right. Why is Bible preaching profitable for you? How many of y'all come in here and I preach on something and you realize according to this book, not Brother Josh, but according to this book, whatever you're doing, saying, thinking, or believing is not right. Can I say that's good for you? Hey, sometimes I tell him no just to let him know what no feels like. Because this world's not always going to tell him yes. You don't know why most grown adults grow up and, and, and they can't never submit to authority and the old time rule breakers, they can't never keep a job. They can't never hold nothing down. Why? They was never told no. They were never told they were wrong. Can I tell you, uh, the, the little golden boys, spooled rotten brats, is the one that's one way in front of everybody and another way behind everybody. And everybody thinks they're just fine well and everything's hunky-dory, but they've never been told no. They've never been told you're wrong. Hey, I tell him when he's right. I tell him all the time, good job, Elijah. We told him on the way over here, boy, you sure can sing good. I'm going to brag on him. I'm going to give him, I'm going to let him know when he's doing right, but you better know that's not the only thing he's going to hear from me and that's not the only thing that God's called me to tell you sometimes we're right you're right but sometimes according to that book we're wrong and reproof establishes what is not right in our life that book will expose what's not right preach on standards well if you go to that church they just they won't let you it ain't they it's not us it's the scriptures and the scriptures are inspired. They're given by inspiration of God. And they're what? They're profitable. That means they're good for you. And because they're profitable, why is preaching profitable? It establishes doctrine and reproof. You know, it's good for you to sometimes find out you are not right. Some of you had no idea what modesty meant before you heard it preached. That crowd down there, you think they're better than everybody. My God, can't wear a bikini. I mean, what's the big deal? The Bible. It's the Bible. 
Y'all just hold here now. I mean, I can't handle all them stipulations. I can't handle all them standards. I can't handle... You know what they're saying? I did, this is not the book of Josh. This is the Word of God. And what they're saying is, I can't handle the Scriptures. You don't know why the, the Scriptures in the Scriptures will be mine? To avoid fornication, dummy. Get half naked and hang around anybody and then be half naked. Before long, somebody doing something they shouldn't. Right. I don't give a rip who it is. If it's a president or a pope, you can't run around with some woman half naked and not mess up. Amen. You might as well say amen, boys. I don't care how much you love your wife. If you're in a room with a woman half naked, you are going to mess up. Even if you never do it to me, your mind's messed yep. up. Sure. Amen. You're right, son. And I know we don't wear bikinis to church, so why are we talking about tight-fitting skirts and low blouses? Yeah. Duh. Yep. Because it's modesty. It's in there. Yes, Because I, listen, I don't need to see your cleavage. Sure, sure. Right. Amen. That's where your husband dies. Right. When, listen, I don't care if you like it's not your getting car leave, but it, it don't matter. A woman's cleaning, hanging out, wife or not, every man in here is gonna be taken to love. Yes, sir. Man, you might as well say amen. amen. Word of her getting mad. She's the same stinking way when it comes to a man. Yep. Amen. Tight breeches. Yes, I know I'm preaching hard yes. tonight, but I'm preaching what's right. So that's why you buy. Jerry gets on me all the time. He's God Almighty, you're an old man. You buy. I can literally pull these things up to my chest. Yeah. I can wrap this thing twice. You know why I do that? Because I stand on these pews and y'all need to be seeing something. Amen. That's exactly right. You may not like that, but when I stretch, stretch up, start preaching, these pants don't need to look like they've been painted on me. Right, man. They're loose. They're flowing right there for a reason. Yep. Hello. Right. Don't down me. Yep. You can get all you want. I do it on purpose because I'm trying to be modest. Amen. Right. Amen. You with me? Yes, sir. Rose? With me? Yes, sir. Well, I tell our boys, listen, hey, this suits don't have to fit tight. Ain't nobody need to see that thing. Yeah. Amen. They all got one. Help me, somebody. Right. Amen. That's for your wife's eyes and yours. That's it. Yeah. Man. I don't want to see it, bless God. Amen. Yeah. What are you saying? Modesty's in there. It's profitable. Yeah. Man. To keep people's minds from being perverted. Right. Man. Women well, skirts up their hind end. They come to the altar and you can see everything they got. Yeah. Can I say, I can't do a thing more about that in another man's church. I can't hear. That's right. Sure. We don't need to see you anyway. No, no. Amen. Amen. Why, why, what's the big deal? We're on our pontoon go away. I mean, why, why, why would you want any man looking at your wife in her undergarments? Yeah. Right. Yes, sir. It's a bathing suit. No, stupid. It's a bra and pants. Yeah. That's right. That's it. Can you all show me any difference between the two? No. There's no difference. Fact is, most of the time, a bra and panties is more modest, and they cover more than the bathing suits do. That's right. I don't need to see that. You don't need to show that because I look. Y'all know me if you want to hide, really care. Preach on, preacher. You ain't got no stinking hair lip, Pharisee, act like I've got it all together, preacher. Yeah. 
I ain't going to sit here and lie and tell you, oh, bless God, I'm so sanctified, it's not a struggle. I'd be a liar out of the pits of hell, and so are you. That's why I've got to live in that book. Because it's profitable for doctrine, and it's profitable for reproof, and it tells me in that book, Brother Caleb, if you or if I or any of us men look on a woman in lust, we have committed adultery in our hearts. That's reproof. You know what that says? Well, this mentality, well, you look, you can't touch. No, sir. Not according to that book. That's right. According to that book, you're guilty, sir. Right. According to that book, you're guilty, ma'am. In fact, this, everybody in here has been an adulterer. Yes, right. Man. You look at me like that. Yes, sir. Everybody in this building has committed adultery. Amen. That's why, thank God, we're not a keeper of that law. Yes. Because if you're very guilty of one, you're guilty in all of them. And if I read that right, about the, about the uh, 10, 9, 8, 7, 20 down, it says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Yep. Yeah. I've never done anything physically, but you thought it. Because yeah. your mind's as wicked and carnal as mine and everybody else's. And I say your mind gets this old wicked mind of yours didn't get saved. But that's why Jesus said to walk in the spirit and not feel less of flesh. And that's why he also said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. That's why it said to think not on carnal things, such as things on things above. That's why I said think on these things, love, charity, and all those lists that it goes through. To keep your mind pure and try to keep your conscience pure in the sight of God. What will keep you cleaned up? Bible preaching, it's doctrinal, and it's good for reproof. It's Profitable for you and me tonight. Amen. Guarantee you after this message, you might at least think about it before you look somewhere you shouldn't tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Bible preaching. Yeah. Yeah. It's profitable. Sorry, I didn't mean to spend that much time. Number one, Bible preaching is profitable because it establishes what's right, doctrine. Number two, Bible preaching is profitable because it exposes what is not right, reproof. Thirdly, Bible preaching is profitable because it enables you to get right. Yeah, amen. Amen. Ain't you glad it just don't leave us out to dry? He'll tell you what's wrong, but then Bible preaching will let you know how to get right. What do you mean, verse 16? All Scripture given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine. That's for what's right, for reproof. That's for what's not right, for correction. That's how to get right. Hey man, you know what? How he's gonna learn something? Correction. Yeah. Reproof is saying you're wrong. That ain't right. But correction enables you to get right. It gives you the answer. It enables you. It, to enable means to furnish with knowledge. To make able. Correction is for getting right with God. John chapter number eight, verse thirty-one and thirty-two. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Why is Bible doctrine that profitable? Not just that it establishes doctrine, not just that it exposes what's not right, uh, but, but thirdly, it enables you to get right. He tells you what to do. He tells you how not to think what you shouldn't think. He tells you not how to dress what you shouldn't. Tells you what you should believe and how you should believe it and what you should do at church and why you should go to church. It allows you to get right. It don't just tell you you're wrong. What good would that do if it stopped there? Well, you're wrong, okay? I've got a little list I sent to our preachers. I got from my pastor when I first got called to preach. It says, never preach a problem without giving the answer or the solution. 
I can take you and hang you over hell. Sure. That really ain't going to help you a whole lot. That's right. I need to hang you over hell according to that scripture. And then take it. But there's a way out. Yes, sir. Bible preaching is profitable because it establishes doctrine that's for what's right. It establishes reproof that's for what's wrong. But then it establishes and enables instruction. Of, uh, uh, excuse me. It, it, it enables uh, how to get right. And that's a correction. Did I say tonight, God never corrected you? You wouldn't know what to do. Does anybody ever correct your children and then just correct them and leave? No. You let them know, hey, this is what you've done. This is what you're supposed to do. That's correction. You know, correction and reproof are not the same. People use that word a lot, and I have too. Uh, Well, I I corrected them. If all you done was get on to them or expose their wrong, you didn't correct them. You reproved them. Hello? Does everybody see the difference? If all I do is tell you you're wrong, I did not correct you. Hey, anybody ever heard the term, somebody so-and-so hit black eyes and went off the ditch? And they overcorrected. In other words, they were going the wrong way, but when they overcorrected, they turned the wheel the right way just a little too much. But as everybody see, that term overcorrected, they went from one direction to the other. That's what correction is. Correction is not saying you're wrong and leaving you there. The Bible don't just expose what's wrong. It enables you to do what's right. Right. With correction. It shows you this is the way you're headed, but it brings you the opposite way of the way you should be headed. That is what correction is. Bible preaching is profitable because doctrine, it, it establishes what's right. Reproof, it exposes what's wrong. And then thirdly, uh, we see that Bible preaching is profitable because it enables you to get right with correction. Uh, the Bible said that the truth, once you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. It corrects you from your way of error to the way of truth. And truth gives you life and liberty. Then lastly, and I'm done. Bible preaching is profitable because it embraces you to stay right. It embraces you or encourages you. I could use that word. It encourages you to stay right. Look at verse 16. This is the last part. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's probable for doctrine. That establishes what is right. For reproof, that exposes what is not right. For correction, that enables you to get right. For instruction in righteousness, that encourages you to stay right. Does everybody see that? Doctrine, it, 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 it establishes what is right. And reproof, it exposes what is not right. Correction uh, enables you to get right. And then instruction in righteousness encourages you to stay right. Uh, can I say instruction in righteousness? Uh, the, uh, that word embrace I use, it means to comprehend or to include, to take in, to enclose, to encompass, to contain, to put on. Can I say instruction in righteousness is how you stay right. You realize that you don't just have to know doctrine, know what is right, be reproved, know what is not right, receive correction, know how to get right, and then lose it all. Did you know you can take all three steps and stay right? How do we do that? Instruction in righteousness. And that does not just fall on your preacher. You know who's obligated to make sure you walk in instruction every day in righteousness? You are. How do we do that? Go top part of verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Now understand, I'm talking about the subject of preaching. 
Did you realize when you're not under preaching Thursday morning, you can still be under the authority of the, the book that I'm preaching? Man. That's instruction in righteousness. Everybody see that? So what is doctrine for? Doctrine is for what? Reproof is for what is? Not right. Correction enables you to and then instruction in righteousness embraces or encourages you to simple, Yes, sir. But you live by that. That's something every day, brother said. You can go read that every day and see challenge. Doctrine's for what's right. Reproof is for what's not right. Correction is how you get right. Instruction in righteousness is how you stay right. And it's all through and by one thing. The word of God. All scriptures give my inspiration of God. And it's possible for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Why is it important that you come and receive Bible preaching? Doctrine, yeah. for reproof, yeah. for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That's how you stay right. That's, good, yeah. That's how you stay right. That's all we got. Let's sing. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Pray, Lord, you'd settle this in the hearts and the minds of your people. God bless. Uh, as only you can, this message, and may it stay and stay with us. Bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'd come tonight. I thank the Lord for my Bible. Maybe you got something in your life you need to get right. I don't know, but whatever you need, let's come.